it's Natasha and Khalil. We are the co-hosts of Woke and Free. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to our 91st episode of Woke and Free. If you've been tuning in every week for Woken Free Wednesday, you know that Woken Free is all about being real and honest with each other and you. We talk about everything and anything important to us, you, the world, and nothing is off the table. This week, we're talking all about whether the war on drugs is a real thing. But before we dive deep into the subject, a couple of questions to ask you. Y'all know the deal. First, have you subscribed to Woken Free on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio? and all the other platforms are on, especially via email. Guys, go to WokenFree.com and subscribe via email. That way you'll get notification for all our upcoming episodes as they air. And you can also quickly share, share, share with all your friends and family. Next, have you shared an episode? If not, uh, if you are as passionate and riveted as we are on this subject, and you'll shortly see (laughs) why, uh, this is the episode to share. I think that the war on drugs is something that has been plaguing several generations, and us, we currently have our thoughts and feelings on it, and I'm sure as you as well. So share. Let's have an open dialogue about what this whole war on drugs is all about. Next, have you hollered at us on social media? If you want to share breaking news or information that's going on in your life, uh, have collaboration ideas, you can always find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even YouTube at Woken Free. Then lastly, have you reviewed the show? Y'all know podcasts are all about the feedback. We want to know what you think. So please go on iTunes, review the show. Go on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, YouTube, any of the platforms are on, and review, review, review away. Each week, we like to share a little bit about us before we dive into the topic for the episode. Last week, we shared, if you have the urge to write, which do you choose, a diary or a blog? This week, we are sharing, when you take a break from a book, do you bookmark or dog ear the page you're on? Really deep stuff here, Khalil. Uh, it was unexpected for you. Amazing. Amazing. You love it when you get to share these type of details. Exactly. I know everyone's like on the edge of their chair, eagerly awaiting the answer. Yeah. So They don't know this about you. Yes, exactly. So what do I like to do? I like bookmarks. I love, y'all, I love shopping. So <laughs> <laughs> I love to buy things and I love buying bookmarks. Shout out to Twilight and uh, my Twilight bookmarks that I have. And uh, I have uh, Hunger Game bookmarks and uh, Divergent bookmarks. Like, I just, I love, I love bookmarks, A, because it's another thing to buy. But B, books have feelings. And I don't want to dog ear the pages. I mean, I, I am a, a, an offender with the highlighter, and I, I do apologize for that. Uh, but <laughs> I, I try wow. to not destroy books completely, and I feel like earmarking the pages can potentially even make it break. I've seen that happen. I've even had that happen to me. So use a bookmark. Be be kind to your books. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I hate destroying books. Mm-hmm. So I definitely have to use the bookmark instead of marking up the book and having all the pages like crinkled and stuff. Definitely. I like the books to look pristine and I want to dare ruin that. I mean, that's messed up. How are exactly. you doing that to the book? We are not a part of the Fahrenheit 9-11 nation. <laughs> Destroying books. Yeah, yes, that's crazy. None of that. Now we'll just jump into it. What is the war on drugs all about? 
Oh, gosh. So it's like a really interesting uh, breakdown politically, hist uh, historically, and, and everything in between. Let's go by uh, kind of what I found on drugpolicy.org. So the early stages of drug prohibition. So there were many current, you know, obviously illegal drugs like marijuana, opium, coke, uh, coke, uh, psychedelics, all of those things. They've been used for thousands of years for medical and spiritual purposes. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the first anti-opium laws were in the 1870s. That was directed at Chinese immigrants. The first anti-cocaine laws were in the early 1900s, directed at black men in the South. The first anti-marijuana laws in the Midwest and Southwest in the 1910s and 20s were directed at Mexican migra migrants and Mexican Americans. And and uh, also, now then, if you come a little bit for, like closer in time with like the Nixon and generation gap in the 1960s, the drugs became kind of a symbol of youthful rebellion, social upheaval, and political dissent. So the government halted scientific research to evaluate their medical safety and efficacy. Yeah. So then, in June 1971, President Nixon declared a war on drugs. So I think that's specifically when that language started circulating in our society. And he dramatically increased the size and presence of federal drug control agencies, pushed through measures such as mandatory sentencing and no-knock warrants. Then, uh, that's crazy. Yes, yes, yes. And then in 1972, the commission un unanimously recommended decriminalizing the possession and distribution of marijuana for personal uses. However, Nixon ignored the report and rejected its recommendations. And <laughs> then within just a few years, though the tide had shifted, proposals to decriminalize marijuana were abandoned as parents became increasingly concerned about high rates of teen marijuana use. And marijuana was ultimately caught up in a broader cultural backlash against the perceived permissiveness of the 1970s. Then if you go to like the 1980s and 1990s, where it's called, uh, the article has it as drug hysteria and skyrocketing incarceration rates, the presidency of Ronald Reagan marked the start of a long period of skyrocketing rates of incarceration, largely thanks to his unprecedented expansion on the drug war. Wow. Uh, it's uh, quite staggering, really. The number of people behind bars for nonviolent drug law offenses increased from 50,000 in 1980 to over 400,000 in 1997. So, guys, 50,000 to 400,000 is a huge leap. And uh, the increasingly harsh drug policies also, just note, blocked the expansion of syringe access programs and other harm reduction policies to reduce the spread, rapid spread of HIV AIDS. So it uh, <laughs> wasn't even helpful uh, fully because they were going so hard on the drugs, but then that actually got in the way of like some HIV prevention work, so that's not so good. Uh, then there's so much more information on this, guys. Uh, okay. So here in 1985, the proportion of Americans polled who saw drug abuse as the nation's number one problem was only 2 to 6%. So in 1985, <laughs> very few people thought like drugs was a big issue. However, the figure grew through the remainder of the 1980s until in September 1989, it reached a remarkable 64%, one of the most intense fixations by the American public on any issue in polling history at that time. And then within less than a year, however, the figure plummeted to less than 10% as the media lost interest. Interesting. 
So the hmm. draconian policies enacted during the hysteria remained, however, and continued to result in escalating levels of arrest and incarceration. So meaning it wasn't really raved about in the media, but people were still getting incarcerated like crazy wow. for uh, this whole situation. And then President Bill Clinton advocated for treatment instead of incarceration during his 1992 presidential campaign. After his few first few months in the White House, he reverted oh. to the drug war strategies of his Republican predecessors by continuing to escalate the drug war. Notoriously, Clinton rejected a U.S. Sentencing Commission recommendation to eliminate the disparity between crack and powder cocaine sentences. Do the same in both drugs. Interesting. Wow. And uh, so much information. And then, okay, so then we have then the new millennium and the pendulum shifts slowly towards sensible drug policy. So then George W. Bush arrived in the White House as the drug war was running out of steam, yet he allocated more money than ever to it. His drug star, John Walters, zealously focused on marijuana and launched a major campaign to promote student drug testing while rates of illicit drug use remain constant. Overdose facilities rose rapidly. And then we have uh, marijuana reform has gained unprecedented momentum throughout the Americas. So we have Alaska, California, Colorado, Nevada, Oregon, Maine, Massachusetts, Washington State, Washington, D.C. have legalized marijuana for adults. In December 2013, Uruguay became the first country in the world to legally regulate marijuana. In Canada, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau plans uh, legalized marijuana for adults by 2018. So I'm not sure if he actually did that or not. But, uh, I think so. I believe, oh, yeah, Canada, yeah. It is, it is legal in yeah, Canada, yeah. yeah. True that, true that. And then, uh, you know, now the administration is uh, threatening to take, kind of go backwards with, you know, who is in president because he's calling for a wall to keep drugs out of the country. And Attorney General Chef Sessions made it clear that he does not support the sovereignty of states to legalize marijuana and believes good people don't smoke marijuana. So, it's, I mean, that statement means <laughs> it's neither here nor there. So it's not based on anything. Ultimately, we have, so <laughs> it seems like in the history, and there's a lot more to be discussed on that, and all links that we share, you guys can find in the episode at WokenFree.com. But however, it seemed like we, people have used legislation and law to regulate drugs, not necessarily based on science or even factual issues, but more like just these beliefs, like good people, right? It looks like it's smoke, marijuana, and we want to go after certain people from yeah, different backgrounds. Yeah, history. And, and criminalize, and, and because, you know, there's it's not happenstance why America is one of the highest rates of uh, incarceration in the entire world, right? So it seems like there are other issues driving this quote-unquote war on drugs. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I saw some stuff on History.com. It, it basically, I mean, you, you definitely you went through the history on the war on drugs. So I'm not going <laughs> to go over that, but just to jump back to the beginning, it's interesting mm -hmm. how the legislation was placed against certain groups of people. Yep. First starting with the Chinese, yep. then starting with the black, black Americans, then, then with Mexican. Mexicans yep. that coming over here. So it seems like these these drug laws were just created for a simple reason right. of trying to like <laughs> like harm and segregate the people from society yep. and yep. used to yep. lock them up in prisons, which contributed to that incarceration rate going sky high. Like Akon says, locked up. And, and locked then up. we can't we can't like let Bill Clinton escape that 
what he did, and I didn't realize that he had done a, a quick 360 on there because mm -hmm. people they rarely talk about that. That he was definitely for like rehabilitation during his campaigning, mm -hmm. but then he never actually went forward with that. So mm -hmm. he just reneged on what he said he was going to do. So I think that's like something that we should definitely not overlook. Like that's yep. that's crazy. Politics are dirty. <laughs> We all know that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's, an, that's definitely some good history that you dropped on what the war on drugs is really about. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really, I think, based on a lot of, like, fear, right? Because, like, there are even people and, and information. We can add that to the repertoire if people are interested. You know, put it in the comments, guys. You know, not all drugs are bad, right? There are some benefits for certain types of use and, you uh, I think that to just outlandishly say, you know, we should just block, 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 I think might be too short-sighted and might be costing us too much uh, by by us behaving this way. Yeah, it should be just like they did with tobacco. They need to mm -hmm. have, like, research that shows these are effects that can come from using the drugs. I mean, That's there's that. certain drugs like opiates and, uh, you know, uh, cocaine and heroin. I, I mean, But shouldn't the research still, we should still we do should, the research yeah, and say, there are after using cocaine for two days, sure, yeah. but what happens after using it for two days? Yeah. Is, you know, how addictive is it? You know, just stuff like that. Things like that should just be I mean, readily available. I studies on that. I'm not sure if they're shared with the public. There should be a, like an FDA-stated yeah. thing on this is, True. in general, this is what it causes people. These are the, this yeah. is what happens. Absolutely. And, and it should just be put out there so we know, like, after this amount of years, you may get this. And then Absolutely. even how they do those commercials on tobacco, yeah. do it on all the other drugs. Do it on the opioids. Mm, <laughs> Let people sure. know. Well, These yeah. Are harmful like, effects. Remember those commercials? Your brain on drugs. And yeah. That's Ladder it. and egg. And, oh, God. Yeah. I mean, they were being extreme. Yeah, but that's not helpful. <laughs> not to be as extreme. You can be realistic and say what happens after using these. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. put some information out there. Put, I mean, put some funding into that. Instead exactly. of the war on drugs, how about you fund some social media campaigns that say sure. people don't do the drugs? The reason it affects them. And have more real accounting. I mean, I think I see, I've been seeing more and more commercials about people who have had very harmful physical effects of, uh, of, of smoking. You know, get more people to talk about the methadone addiction and, and all of these things. And, and let's just have an open dialogue. I think we have to stop criminalizing the conversation and criminalizing people because it doesn't, it doesn't provide treatment. It's not healing. And also, what is driving people to do these drugs, right? They're not just, oh, my God, I walked out my door and I'm now addicted to heroin. Like, something is happening while people are turning to drugs. How about we work on that, not just, you know, go to prison, go to prison, go to prison, because it doesn't mm -hmm. make any sense. But ultimately, what would you say is the answer? So is the war on drugs a real thing? I would say it's not. It seems mm -hmm. like it's like part of a political objective, actually. Yeah. It's, it's The war on drugs, the actual phrase, it's actually, it just comes from the government. They came mm -hmm. up with that. It wasn't something that the citizens proposed. Yeah. You know, just yeah. politicians came about and started saying that. As you said, only 2% of people were even thought it was an issue. At it's, that time, it definitely, yeah, politicians just found that that was a way to, you know, get these underlying objectives of, of other people's, like, um, what do you call it? Like, uh, <laughs> I, well, I would say like kind of like prejudices and things yeah. that people yeah, have for yeah, others. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what it was. They were really trying to find a way that they could deal with those prejudices, and they made this term so it didn't seem like they were just doing it against a certain group of people. So I don't think the war on drugs is actually the real thing. 
I think the prejudice and racism is a real thing and that, you know, political undermining and stuff is what's really going on, you know, using using the war on drugs as a back end to get what you really want, like incarcerating minorities. That it kinda it helps with that. It looks like it looks like it helps with that. I mean, that's one thing you could say. It's not really a war on drugs; it's a war on minorities and how to lock them up. That's that's what it seems like. I mean, the numbers show that. Are we actually stopping the drug trade? I mean, the drug trade is still growing. (laughs) It's still a growing industry. The illegal drug trade. Not going to do anything about that. (laughs) And I think the real reason marijuana is being legalized is you know the government wants a hand in the taxes. Like, like, wait a minute, this marijuana industry is growing. Let's uh, let's not leave that on the table. We can get our foot in that. (laughs) Exactly. So there's actually even more history, guys, uh, that is shared on history.com. And it goes through some very interesting facts. So, like, in 1961, the CIA conspired with mobsters in Miami to assassinate Casho, whose revolution had put an end to the lucrative drug and vice networks operating on the island. Although the CIA planned Bay of Pigs invention failed, uh, invasion failed, many of the agency's Cuban assets survived, and after making their way back to Miami, they turned southern Florida into an early epicenter of drug smuggling and drug-related violence. I remember uh, hearing about that for sure. Uh, And then CIA also simultaneously helped introduce LSD to the American populace via clandestine programs that dosed countless citizens, all a part of a Cold War mind control operation titled MKUltra. And then in uh, Southeast Asia, the CIA teamed up with Laotian General Vang Pao to help make Laos the world's top exporter of heroin. By the time (laughs) Nixon became racketing down U.S. troop presence in Vietnam to focus on the war on drugs, more troops were dying of heroin overdoses in actual combat, an epidemic that quickly found its way to the streets of urban America. Then a decade later, uh, as a result of turning a blind eye to cocaine smugglers, funding the CIA's illegal war against communist Satanists in Nicaragua, the CIA unwittingly helped unleash a nationwide crack cocaine epidemic, most notably Cocaine Kingpin Freeway Ricky Ross was able to make, take his South Central L.A.-based crack businesses nationwide thanks to his access to a cheap supply of coke from politically connected Nicaraguan, uh, I, keep, I can't say that word, <laughs> suppliers <laughs> and uh, veteran drug agents, including Phil Jordan, former director of the DEA's El Paso Intelligence Center, Epic, says they repeatedly called off cases involving CIA-tied drug rings. So, nice CIA. Mm-hmm. This is what you're really working on. Yeah, so it's interesting. Uh, you know, the uh, the CIA's collusion with anti-communist drug smugglers beginning in the 1960s played a direct role in the drug epidemic of the 80s that was used to justify President Reagan's 1986 crime bill. The law introduced harsh mandatory sentencing for nonviolent drug offenders, the ah. legacy of which we are still dealing with today. Collusion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting, 1986, that happened again. The world began in 86. Guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, then, you know, uh, we talked about, again, President Clinton's expansion on Reagan's drug war by militarizing the nation's pol- police forces and introducing mandatory minimum sentencing. Even though Ouch. President Obama tried to revise this policy shortly before leaving office, President Trump 
seems to intend on doubling down on the war on drugs, like I mentioned earlier. And when he recently visited Philippine President Rodrigo Duarte to the White House, he congratulated him for sending police death squads into the streets to kill drug dealers and addicts. Wow. Many countries have the problem. We have a problem. But what a great job you were doing. And I just wanted to call and tell you that, Trump reportedly said. Wow. He was just killing citizens? <laughs> That's like insane. Yes. I've never um, heard of that. Yeah, I think I heard about that. I didn't that hear about that one. I, and wow. then as a nation, this just summarizing in the article, we are tired of the drug wars, endless cycle of crime, political corruption, mass incarceration and mayhem, particularly in Mexico, much of which is a war zone, while north of the border we are mirrored in a highly politicized hysteria over immigration and border security. The war on drugs has already cost U.S. taxpayers more than $1 trillion, and our nation's jails, prisons, and hospitals now overflow with the ranks of its combatants and victims. The stakes couldn't be higher for America, and, uh, you know, this is this is not a war per se, but this is, I, it seems more like a crisis. So my answer would be no, the war on drugs is not a real thing. It has been, uh, a, it seems like a self-inflicted symptom that American government <laughs> instituted and colluded with uh, instituting so that we could put more money behind it and support people who want to go out and kill and harm and they and set up the drug rings so you're saying the cia was essentially it's they're helping to set it up yeah and i think that this is again this is That's, just touching the surface guys if and this you is from history.com yeah but this is from history.com so, I mean, I, I, it sounds it they sounds did their research like, it sounds like a conspiracy to be honest but i mean i, know, I it can't like imagine conspiracy, but it's it can't not, be they history.com no they don't that. just like, put on they don't <laughs> just put on random stuff like this is and stuff I've heard that's that. been there. We know that they've done that before. They've America helped out drug kingpins. Because you know what they've done? Yeah. They used those drug kingpins to overthrow the current leaders mm -hmm. of the country. Mm -hmm. And then they supplied yeah. them with weapons and drugs, whatever they needed to get the, you know, to get the power yeah. to take over the country. So drugs was another means of doing that because drugs equals money. Yeah. So that makes sense then that they use that. But this as a means. is, I mean, a trillion dollars. That's. A lot of dough. <laughs> uh, no pun intended. <laughs> Meanwhile, we still have like mm. college kids that are in super huge amount of debt, but we have this trillion dollars that are going towards drugs. I'm <laughs> that, not a college kid, but I am in a ton of debt, and yeah. I guess that plight is real. That is very <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Very <laughs> interesting. We can spend a trillion dollars on that, and we still have a deficit. You know, it's very funny. Mm. Very funny. Now, well, with that, I mean, this question seems pretty easy, but is the war on drugs effective? Uh, no. <laughs> right? So uh, if you look at LagunaTreatment.com, they have a statement that they talk about uh, kind of the war on drugs. And in 2010, NBC News wrote that the war on drugs has met none of its goals, right? Specifically <laughs> mentioning the widespread yeah. of illegal substances, the rampant violence and crime, uh, and then talking about how, you know, the government never took a big picture approach to the problem. And the focus has only been on the arresting of drug dealers and not enough on the treatment, on the addiction that made the drug dealing such a lucrative business. And, uh, you know, there's been like $33 billion in domestic marketing around this, right? So such as Nancy Reagan's Just Say No campaign. While the campaign did contribute to a drop in rates of teenage drug use, it also was criticized for reducing a multifaceted public health crisis to nothing more than a slogan, right? And <laughs> um, twenty billion to counter and combat drug cartels on their own t on the, our own turf. The United States spent six billion.
billion dollars to break up operations in Colombia. In response, the trafficking moved to Mexico, leading to the Mexican government being unable to control the organized crime syndicates in their own country. And uh, there's been 40 wow. bill, $49 billion to fund law enforcement and border control missions on the southern border. This just covers just under 2,000 miles from California to Texas. It entails providing resources for patrols, sniffer dogs, checkpoints, cameras, motion detectors, heat sensors, drone aircraft, yep. and over 1,000 miles of steel beam, concrete walls, and heavy mesh along the border. Nonetheless, 330 tons of cocaine, 20 tons of heroin, and 110 tons of methamphetamines that are sold in America every day, which are consumed by 25 million Americans, are mostly smuggled over the Mexican border. Uh, there's been $121 billion to arrest more than 37 million drug offenders for low-level nonviolent crime and $400 billion to process them in federal prisons. Uh, it's just a lot of dough, a lot of cash, and the problem is still here. So yeah, ultimately, you know, it doesn't seem effective then. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely tackling the wrong side of the fence. Shouldn't you, like you, you yeah. mentioned it in that CNBC or the NBC News, why don't you deal with the users? Because if people aren't using, then the market goes away. Exactly. Like if you really well, want to tackle a problem, yeah. like think about it. Just get rid of the people that are If no one wants to buy drugs, then no one can sell it. <laughs> then that's it, right? It doesn't, you don't have to set up anything. Yeah. It's about treating <laughs> people, people want it anymore. giving people, obviously, whatever they're missing that they're turning to drugs yeah. for. But instead, right. we criminalize and work on the imprisonment piece of it, but it's more about working on, yeah, the treatment. Yeah, that mm -hmm. would make sense. And I, I think it's just effective at keeping racism alive. Mm -hmm. A Vice article actually shared some startling statistics from the federal government itself. And it said that African Americans and Hispanics are still prosecuted far more frequently than white people for nearly every type of drug crime. Mm -hmm. On uh, the 19,766 total federal drug cases in 2016, 50% of offenders were Hispanic, 23.6 wow. were black, 22.8% were white, and 3% were classified as others. Those stats are relative to an overall American population that is 77% white, 13% black, and 17% Hispanic. So remember, 77% of white people, and the 50% of offenders are actually, it was like over 70% is minorities being yeah. prosecuted for the crimes. The research has consistently shown that white people are actually more likely than African-Americans and Hispanics to sell drugs and about as likely to consume them, but they're still arrested and prosecuted less often than people of color. Yep. Higher arrest and incarceration rates for African-Americans and Latinos are not reflective of increased prevalence of drug use or sales in these communities, but rather of a law enforcement focus on urban areas, on lower-income communities, and on communities of color, as well as inequitable treatment by the criminal justice system, according to the Drug Policy Alliance. So we, we see that. The, these communities are being targeted. It's not that these communities are the ones that yeah. are committing any of the drug crimes. It's well, just that that's all they target. They go after the low income. It's like it's an easy thing. You know, they don't have lawyers, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Try going after someone with a, who has lots of money and a lawyer that can tangle you up in court for years. No, or yeah. you can just go after somebody on the street who doesn't even know their legal rights. Yeah. That's like an easy win for the prosecutor, and it's an easy win for the right. officer who's, like, you know, catching the, 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 the drug person, the person, you know, selling drugs or using drugs. Absolutely. Now, what do you think are some real solutions for the drug problem in America? So I think it's a multifaceted solution that would have to be put in place, and it would really have to be put in place by the people who started this. <laughs> 
get to life, <laughs> guys. Uh, it would not be attached to our criminal justice system, but would be uh-huh. focused on mental health treatment and support and also preventative care, right? Like you said, if you can't sell drugs to no one who buys it. So, <laughs> how about we make people happier, more fulfilled, more satisfied, more uh, supported? That way they don't turn to drugs because what do drugs do? They numb and they take the pain away. And we all are broken. Deal with it. You're broken. I'm broken. We're all broken. Some of us deal with our brokenness differently. Yeah. You Get can, with it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, also, guys, and we're not talking all about this, but really poverty, right? There's, it's not everybody who's doing this, but, you know, I know there's a segment of our society who are rich who are doing this, but there's also a, a large segment of poor people that are doing this because, again, you're hungry, so you can get forget about your hungerness by doing drugs. You can, like, there's a lot going or on. Or you can pay for food yeah, by selling drugs. Yeah, by selling drugs, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, job support, yeah. If you've ever been convicted of a crime, you know that it's very difficult then to get another job in our society. So what yeah. do you do? Join the drug ring and sell drugs. How about we give people second chances, third chances, and employ former convicts because just because you made one mistake and or didn't make a mistake but have this blip on your record doesn't mean you're not entitled to a life of worthiness and joy and fulfillment. So we got to provide more job, job support. We also have to have more family services support. There's a lot of broken families and people getting tied up with this drug stuff because they're trying to feed their children. It's, it's like it's crazy. And also, like this conversation, let's have an open dialogue and, and talk about this in media. Let's talk about this on more podcasts. Let's talk about this on television. Let's stop talking about someone in the White House. Let's actually talk about real shit that can be dealt with. How about them apples? Yeah, that'd definitely be nice. <laughs> I also think that we should have some new federal regulations, yeah. like making marijuana illegal in all 50 yeah. states. Yeah. Come on, there's worse drugs out there that are legal. Yeah. So yeah. let's get it together. Marijuana yeah. should be legal, just like alcohol is legal. Absolutely. And be the same thing. out of it, guys. You do can your do, business. Yeah. yeah. You can do all that. That's fine with me. And then I think uh, that pharmacies, I don't know if they do it now, but I think they should accept unnecessary prescription drugs. So, you know, like if you have, you're giving drugs by your doctor, you're giving mm-hmm. some opioids to handle the pain. When you're finished, what do you do with those drugs? They say sell, sell it. I mean, they say throw it out, but <laughs> they said sell it. Sell it. That'd be bad. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> messing up. You're not a pharmacy. <laughs> don't do that. But they, they say just throw it out. But I think that these places should accept the drugs. Like you should just That's bring it back and recycle idea. it. That, oh, just, wow. that makes more sense. Get more drugs out of our home. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. throwing it out, I don't think people are going to do that. They're going to be like, really, should I do it? Do I need it? But if you say when you're done with this, just return Give it. Give it back and they you can get credit, some type of incentive. There you go. Well, and you can incentivize it. There yeah. you go. So that would be a way that people would actually do it. You know, that makes more sense. Mm-hmm. And then I think that they should offer activities in local communities to kind of like give people natural general adrenaline rushes. Yeah, so, absolutely. And, and like this is funded by the community. Since we spend trillions of dollars on the drug war, I think there's money that could go back into the community and <laughs> offer things like dirt bike racing, cycling classes, or other activities. Absolutely. I mean, Art think about it. Painting, people, crocheting. People are always like, I don't want to pay for that with my tax dollars. Well, exactly. your tax dollars are being wasted anyway, on something yeah. that is doing nothing. <laughs> it's like, literally. That's a good point. They should be free. That way there's no and it needs to be free, no barrier entries. And it's <laughs> like, easy to do because let's let's just re-reduce it. We don't have to stop the war on drugs immediately right now. But what we can do is let's yeah. just take fifty million and then redistribute Absolutely. that for these activities. For community programs, and I'm just yeah. I'm saying 
that number. But look, we could take a small amount of the money that we're using now yeah. towards nothing and use it for something, and let's see what happens. Let's and you see could, if those and that would also increase to, jobs because you'd have to hire instructors for all of those courses. Yeah, you can do that. So people would get more jobs out of this. We would have more like community activities, so it would build stronger communities, which hopefully would reduce crime in communities. It would. Yeah, it would, it would have definitely. A wonderful. It'd be a widespread effect. effect. Yeah, the money, for sure. We see the money's there now. It's not a, a question of who's paying for it. Where's we're, the money coming from? We're already throwing our money in the trash. Like so, let's throw it we're somewhere else. It on, it's, we're, we're doing worse than burning books. We're we're burning cash. Yeah, <laughs> that's so, wild. <laughs> I think we definitely need to think about some of these things I said, and then also I, I think we need to severely restrict this opioid oh, manufacturing absolutely. and it's distribution. Not us. Just stop it. I don't think we need as much <laughs> drugs as we're producing and giving yeah, out. Absolutely. Uh, it's not needed. No, we, people want to get paid, but, and and I get that, but we got to get paid the right way. Let's do something that maybe you can do yoga classes. Our, yeah, let's have instead more of getting, yoga. Instead of giving let's out drugs, let's do something classes. else. Let's have hiking. There's let's other ways to heal your body. Tour the countries. Have more tours. Needs. Get people traveling. Like make money a healthier, more productive way. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And it's that time. Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So what's the what's the what's the scenario? It's scenario time. Scenario one. Taniana is an undercover narc, a federal agent of the Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives Agency, or ATF, who just discovered that her childhood friend is knee-deep in the sale of the prescription drug game. Should she warn her friend of the consequences she faces, or just serve her justice as the U.S. government sees fit? Ooh, that's a really hard question for me, because you know I'm all about... Uh, uh Tattletailing. Like, <laughs> I'm all about that. I'm not from the hood. I'm like, tell the truth, live your truth. Tell Especially the truth. when it's your job, right? Yeah. Oh, job, yeah. Though. You know I'm all about telling the truth all day, every day. I don't have no time for this nonsense. Uh, but this is an friend. This is like an important friend. Or yeah, it's like a childhood best friend, you know. Oh, Jesus. I mean, I don't see. So my so my question is, I don't know what the protocols are from her hand her employee handbook. I don't know if she would be like legally at issue if she like didn't just report her regardless of whether she warned. Like if she had the opportunity to warn her before having to bring her in or arrest. Like I, oh, she might be like. I mean, is she allowed to? Yeah, like, I don't know if she's allowed. Off that yeah, that might put her, that might put her job and her like. <laughs> her career at risk. So well, yeah, because remember she's undercover, so yeah, people don't know. Like I, her friend doesn't even know. Like she she takes her job I mean, seriously. There's too many unknown here, so my 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 bet would be to follow pr protocol, even if it means having to arrest and bring in her friend because her friend decided to make these poor choices. And you know, at the end of the day, you know, if she likes her job and she wants to do her job well and not they pay well. Good yeah, benefits. then she needs she needs to follow protocol. And even if it means destroying her friend's life. Yeah. Don't yeah. tell me secrets, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, I'm kidding. I'm a, I'm very confidential, and I love to keep people's information confidential. But I also like uh, whistleblowing. So <laughs> when there's crap that needs to be uncovered, hello, it's called woke and free for a reason. You better be woke and free <laughs> of lies and deception. Change the narrative. Hashtag change the narrative. All right. Fair enough. Your thoughts? Now I don't yeah I don't know what the protocol is but yeah. I don't think she Ugh. she can't go to her I don't think she can just go to her friend she and tip her off herself. yeah like she can't she can't tip her friend off that with who she is and all that what I would think she could do is I uh, yeah I think that she should ask her superior if she could be relieved from the case maybe because she could say she has like a ulterior of uh, interest in this or you know cause she knows the person her, 
they arrest your friend and you have McDonald's so? after No, but they're going to, but they, they might think she's not going to handle the case as well as she could. Like, like could she, yeah, like that's what yeah. I'm saying in, Maybe. in terms of that. That might be a helpful thing, but she I would still think she might go by that. support her friend. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, she's in fact, she's doing that. When she goes to the superior and tells, like, hey, I, guess by I know that yeah. person, then yeah. yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, all right. So you don't have to, hopefully he can take you off the case because he knows you're not going to put you all to it. You yeah, know? sure. You know, you're not going to be all in the case. You're not going to look at every detail. You might mess up with paperwork or something. You know, something might happen. You might not be on your P's and Q's. So maybe you'll get off that case. So I, I think well, go yeah, to maybe you don't have to bust into her home and actually arrest her. That yeah, in nice. front of the family. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, your well, other friends are there. Because she's undercover. So, yeah, they could Well, yeah, that wouldn't happen anyway. Did, she's so. undercover. I think that would be at the end when they're, yeah, once the case is, like, finished. But yeah. she, she didn't even that be is a rough question. doing that. Oof. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Go to your superior, guys. Definitely. Follow so, protocol, guys. Yeah. For protocol comes first, yeah. And, you know, talk to see what you can do in that case. Okay, and don't talk to but you can't talk to your friend, unfortunately. Because no, no. she's, she's involved in this she can't, she would illicit narc on activity. Herself. She can't narc on herself. She's involved in yeah. illicit activities. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah. that's... Make good choices. Live a good life. <laughs> if you live a good life, you don't have to worry about it. That's what I don't understand with people. Live well. <laughs> yes, but sometimes the alternative, though, is too easy to go to the legal life. Like you just said, when you're not given a second chance. We don't have yoga, and we don't have... Well, yeah, there's other things, and we don't have opportunities available that they can just do. Yeah, like a a skate park. We need more... Yeah, we do. Everything. Every community community needs... Every community, not just some. Because you know you go to some place, and it's like, oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah, fabulous. Hello, shout out to the domain. Yeah, yeah, they have their own little yoga zone. They have arcades. I mean... All communities need to be leveled up. Yeah, yeah, you got to have some activities in all communities, at least. Come on, that be more sensitive. That had more sense, you know. Absolutely. All communities have some equality. Scenario two. Amanda and Katie are fed up with how drugs are impacting the community around them. They would like to do a protest demanding more laws to combat the drug problem, but they are not sure if they should protest in their community, which is a rich suburban town, or the big city where the statistics show that more drug crimes are being committed. Which area should they choose to protest in? Oh, interesting. So I, even though I am a lawyer by trade, I'm actually not a fan of like necessarily protest. And I know that sounds like, what, Natasha, you're also a feminist. And yeah, I'm all about that. Like, you know, share your me too's and all that. But I don't know how effective protests are because I see people yelling and in the street with their signs. But like, does it really turn into legislation? Does it really effectuate change? I'm more of what I have seen to, to, to what it seems like is with, like, lobbyists and, and people who, like, you know, use money <laughs> essentially to get things done. I think it probably makes sense, especially since you're saying that they're from a more rich suburban town, to put on a fundraiser and set a goal of how much they want to raise to then maybe create a community center in the poorer neighborhood. I think, like, that to me seems like it would make more sense than just going up in the street, whether you do it with the rich people or do it with the poor people. Yeah. I just don't see – I don't see how protests really – really effectuate change. I mean, I know they used to, like, with the civil rights movement, and it yeah, really kind of sparked things, but nowadays with social media, with influencers, with things like that, I think you might want to use other tactics to effectuate the change that you want. How about you? Yeah, I tend to agree. I say they shouldn't protest in either place. I don't yeah. think that's going to help, to be honest. And you're kind of like what you said, that maybe they should form a political action committee, as so yeah. many people do. They put these True. funds together to actually so. get things done, and they go right to their, yeah. their local their leaders. legislators yeah. and their, yeah, their senators, Who actually can make an actual change. They go directly to them. And, and you yeah, start and support their there. campaign. 
campaign start at a local that's level. a local campaign because then they're more likely to do that. And unfortunately, you know, you don't want to say, you know, you'll scrub my back if I scrub your back. But a lot of politicians, that's how it works. So, you know, I think I think money is really the name of the game as it normally is in the freaking world in this country. So you got to use your cash, ladies. That's the way to go. <laughs> Scenario three. Tara feels the war on drugs has just cost her district millions in wasted funds, putting people in prison while depleting funding for the local schools and food pantry. Should she vent her frustration on social media, or is there something better she can do to change where her hard-earned tax dollars are spent? Huh. <laughs> uh, so, uh, okay, so first of all, I believe social media is a wonderful tool. Obviously, we love it. You, hopefully, Woken Free Nation, love it. Uh, is it a, a, something without fault? No. There's good and bad to everything in this world. I think social media sometimes get a bad, gets a bad rap just because people don't know what to how to really put it in context of all the things happening in the world. But social media isn't mydiary.com. Uh, you have a journal. Go write in it. Uh, so I'm not a fan of going to social media for venting. I am a fan of open dialogue. I'm, oh, I am a fan of starting conversations, even if it's raw, even if it's really vulnerable. But I don't believe, you know, F you and I ain't done it. It's not going to put you in a good light. And yeah. that stuff lasts forever on the Internet. So True. I think she has to figure out with her frustration what would be the best way to attack this the the funds being put uh, against people in prison. So would it be petitioning local legislators to have a sit down and have a, some type of uh, community event where they talk about the stats and what has been the effect in our society of putting these people in prison? If they go to prison, does it somehow better our communities? Does it somehow better the person in prison? The answer is likely no across all fronts. But let's have the conversation. Also, you know, what would be her solutions, right? If she is so frustrated, what is the solution? We have to be solution focused. So it's it's not an easy question. She probably needs to probably team up with some other people, put up maybe use social media to figure out what are other change agents she could work with and create some type of coalition and work on it. But don't just get up on here and start cussing out people <laughs> on, on Facebook or Instagram. That's crazy. And it's not going to do anything. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, that, that's a, that's definitely mm-hmm. some good advice for how to treat social media. Yeah, I, I think she should be on social media since that, it just from this scenario, it seems like that's what she's into. But yeah. I wouldn't do the venting. Maybe she should actually, like, just reach out to the legislators because most of them have social media pages. Sure. And she can actually contact them directly and ask for certain actions and exactly. ask to see some oversight on certain things as well. I mean, she needs to just talk to them. They are there, and I do believe they respond eventually. So contact all your local people in the community yeah and then you can even go to the federal government because they have pages too i don't know how much you're gonna response you're gonna get there but you can leave stuff on their feed as well Absolutely. you know just put stuff there i don't think just venting on your own page is going to do much to be honest but no, absolutely. going to their other pages and actually letting them know in the community what how you feel i think that's a better way to do it Absolutely. I mean, listen, I know that there's been some uh, kind of hoo-ha stuff on social media about how Kim Kardashian didn't really release these 17 people from prison, these people Ooh. of color, but that really this other attorney or attorneys have done it. I haven't fully investigated, that, so I don't know the details, but there are celebrities like Kim Kardashian, 
uh, like uh, Michael B. Jordan, like Oprah, people who are invested in the, the, the future of our policies, the future of pol politics. And so call out, do a call out to celebrities themselves. These people have lots of, of yeah. uh, a pull when it comes to the attention that they can get from media. So if right. you want to bring major attention to things, you've got to get some of these big-time people involved. And now the question is, will they care or not? It's going to be based on who you talk, reach out to. But, yeah, there's different ways to skin a cat. Gotta gotta get creative. Definitely. Mm -hmm. But it is the coming to the end of our 91st episode of Woke and Free. Good Lord. Good. It is that time again. And, uh, bueno. <laughs> that was bueno. And uh, we had quite an episode really discussing whether the war on drugs is a real thing. And I hope that, I hope and you hope, right, we hope that you not only learned something, but were riveted and motivated to click on the links, learn more for yourself, form your opinion. If you haven't formed an opinion on this, share it in our comments, share it on social media, open up the dialogue, because guys, this is going to cost our country more and more if we don't get a handle on it. So it's, it's something really serious, just like so many other things in our life going yeah. on, right? The war on women's reproductive rights. Definitely got to actually bring that to the show because this is really crazy, guys. Like Roe v. Wade, whoa, whoa. <laughs> There's a lot going on in our world. But will I leave you hanging for what our next episode will be about? Drum roll, please. On our next episode, we will be discussing whether the world needs country music. Make sure you follow <laughs> us on social media to follow along in the conversation. Make sure you tune in next week for Woken Free Wednesday to join the conversation at WokenFree.com. That one's for you, love. Uh, <laughs> if you want to be a guest at the show, please submit a topic for an upcoming episode or just share how you feel on our contact us page at WokenFree.com. If you want to hit us up on social media, find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at WokenFree. If you're interested in sponsoring an upcoming episode or talking to us about a sponsorship deal, you can do that at our Contact Us page at WokenFree.com. That is W-O-K-E-N-F-R-E-E.com. If y'all didn't already subscribe, please do. Share the episode. Make sure you come back to join the conversation every Wednesday for Woken Free Wednesdays. Remember, Woken Free is more than a podcast. It is a way of life. Until next time, y'all. Good Lord. <laughs>